0: it's the Good Advice Show. We're tuning in to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I want to thank you for joining me today. My name is Blake. I host the show, also run the business Good Advice. And today we're here to bring you some good, actionable, tangible advice to help you grow your business. It's not a podcast where we just ramble endlessly about business concepts. We're going to be talking about the real things that you need to know in order for you to sell more of the awesome stuff that you have and run your business a bit Better. Got an awesome show for you today. We're going to be chatting about what makes a good offer, and more importantly, how do you create an offer that people simply cannot say no to? you've been struggling with sales in your business, or if you're just looking to take your business to the next level, and you've been thinking about, okay, what's that secret sauce, what's that answer that can get me really taking my business, not just to the next level, but maybe even doubling, tripling, quadrupling your revenue, maybe breaking through that six-figure mark if you've been steadily underneath it. Whatever the case may be, we're gonna jump into all of it today, but before we do... Of course, we got to talk about one of the amazing businesses that sponsor this podcast. We'll be right back. See you soon. You know that feeling at 10 o'clock at night when you finished a long day of work and you're trying to figure out all the financials of your business? The good news is you don't have to be an expert in this space. You got to just know who is the expert to call. That person is Steve Lay with Equity Business Solutions. And he does business bookkeeping services better than anyone else I know. By not only helping you manage your books, he can also be the expert to help you understand your books. On top of that, he also handles payroll for businesses and really takes the worry and stress of managing all of these things so that you can focus on running your business well. So what are you waiting for? Stop wasting time trying to understand all these elements of your business. Call Steve Lay at Equity Business Solutions and he'll show you the value beyond the numbers. Go to Equity business Solutions equitybusinesssolutionsllc.com to find out more. So there's been a lot developing for the good advice business and brands, um, and it's a bit too soon to talk about really any of it. Um, and that's not, <laughs> now Now I sound overly cryptic. Um, I, I think this is true for all of us. We always have multiple irons in the fire, handling a multitude of different things. And specifically for good advice, there have been moments in the good advice brand history where The money has come in extremely consistently, and there have been times where it has been a bit of a desert. In fact, one of the... Earliest things I will typically tell someone whenever we have a conversation about starting their own business is it's going to take longer than you think it will, and it's going to cost you more money than you think it will. This is typically because most people, whenever they start their business, they are bright eyed and bushy tailed, and you know, they've watched a, maybe a YouTube video or I don't know, maybe they've seen like a Facebook post or something on TikTok or who knows what it is about someone who quit their job and they're like a multimillionaire, and it's so easy. Uh, and, and and in fact, these things are, these this type of content litters the social media space, by the way. Uh, I saw one um, the uh, a few months back of someone who the headline was something like, it's only been three months since I quit my job waiting tables. And... I never expected that I would already be a millionaire. It was something like that, where I was like, come on, dude, bro. (laughs) So knowing that this kind of content is out there, knowing that people consume this kind of content, it's not uncommon in like the early conversations with people where they're like so jacked and excited about their business. And for a good reason. I mean, many of us, we start a business because we're ultimately really passionate about what it is we want to sell and we see the opportunity. Opportunity that comes with being in control of our own financial destiny. Now, there's nothing wrong with working a nine to five job. There's nothing wrong with collecting a paycheck. However, I think I think the greater conversation there is ultimately you are trading um financial consistency with an understanding that your revenue, your, or I should say rather, your in pocket money is only going to go up as, as much as you know the, the your boss or the people you work for uh, sees fit to raise it. We've probably, many of us probably have had those years where there's a bonus that gets given to you and you're like, all right, this was a good year. We probably also know that year where um, you thought you were going to make more money and the boss said, hey, we're having tough times, so we're going to have to dial back our raises for this next year, or there's not going to be any bonuses for this next year. So when you work a nine to five job, you just accept that I am going to be experiencing this Knowing that ultimately, um, I know I don't have to freak out about am I going to be able to pay my rent next month or pay my mortgage or put food on the table or what have you, which is by the way very different from when you're an entrepreneur, you're a small business owner where it's your main thing. This is <laughs> this is it's like sink or swim. You know, you got kids banging on the door. Um, I'm definitely just like talking through my own life right now. And it's, yeah, we got to pay our rent. We got to pay this. We got to do this. Uh, And it falls on your shoulders. It's, it's, It's just a different world. However, the potential is much higher. So in these early conversations with the business owners, they're very excited. They maybe haven't fully experienced the joys and woes of entrepreneurship. However, what they are wondering is, okay, how do I start making money with this thing that I want to do? And like I already mentioned, you know, um there are there there is a um it's not as quick as you think it will be. But what I want to talk about today is it's kind of two different sections to this conversation. It's one um I don't know if you can hear my child screaming. Speaking of toddlers banging on, I feel like every episode these days, I'm always giving the disclaimer. Can you hear my toddler screaming outside the door? <laughs> but um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Right. So I think there's kind of two parts to this conversation. One, why do businesses fail? And two, what can you do not to just avoid dying as a business, but to really flourish as a business I want to I wanna really hone in on this and I want to talk about some things that ultimately have, you know, speaking back to that, t- those times of when I was doing really well in my business versus the time I was really not doing well, you know, we're coming up on five years of good advice in the next few months and I've been reflecting a lot about the high points, the really high points and then the bottom of the barrel low points that have transpired. So Giving you a little bit of context for why businesses fail, um, there was an article put out a couple of years ago. We highlighted it on the podcast. Uh, I can't, I, can't, I couldn't tell you which episode it was because it's been so long now. But this article basically um, examined why do businesses fail? Why do businesses struggle to make it to not just the five-year mark, but even shorter term? Why do businesses struggle to make it to the one-year mark? And we all often get intrigued by these articles because. Many of us who have started out on our own, it's survivorship bias. It's, well, I'm not going to be like one of those businesses. And it can be a a bit embarrassing also to start your own job, start your own business, excuse me, and then have to tell everyone, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. It didn't work out. So all this to say, reading through this article, um, the number one reason that businesses fail, and it's something like 40% it was, and actually the number one and number two are actually pretty linked. Um, In my mind, they're almost the same thing. But the number one reason was um, offering something that there wasn't a market fit for. And I'll expand that in a second. And the second one related to it was lack of clarity around um, what it is was being sold. So, backing up just a little bit and breaking this down a bit more. um, The first one, lack of market fit. When we use this phrase, what we're essentially talking about is when it comes to running your business, it really doesn't matter how excited you are about the business. What matters is what your customer thinks about it it's kind of like whenever um and i've mentioned this before in a previous episode on gordon ramsay's kitchen nightmares whenever he goes into a restaurant and tries to like help the restaurant not fail inevitably he ends up eating the food tasting the food and inevitably also he typically says hey this menu item is awful well what usually happens and this is all you know hyperbolized a bit, um, because it's on TV, you know, the one engagement. But what typically happens is the owner says, Well, no, that's my grandmother's recipe. Oh, no, that's people love that item. And, And really, at the end of the day, it's the owner who loves what they sell more than the customers do, because there are no customers. That's why Gordon Ramsay is there. There's no, they don't have enough customers actually coming in to buy and keep the restaurant afloat. In a similar way, um it's it kind of goes without saying obviously you want a product market fit, but many of us we love our own product, we love our baby, um despite despite the fact that our baby might be incredibly ugly. <laughs> That's probably the nicest way uh I can put it. So what ends up happening is many people set out to start a business that they adore Without considering the fact that other people may not, not only like it, but at the end of the day, even if it's beautiful, um, even if it's a beautiful product, there's been a lot of work and effort that's gone into it. Um, at the end of the day, the the customers don't actually need it. Now, these things can change over time. I, I would say 10 years ago, if you talked about like a ride sharing service like Uber. I think many people would have said, well, we don't really need that. But there was a tipping point, actually probably longer than 10 years ago, there was a tipping point where that became a central need for people. I think the same thing is true for um, delivery at your door, kind of groceries. Um, and and this isn't to say that all of these things are... Um, you know, we're just clueless as to what we want. And it's, you know, it takes a while for us to figure out we want something. I do think customer sentiments change. I do think the market changes, um, which makes this whole game even more complex. But at the end of the day, most businesses fail because they're offering something that no one really wants. And this is really the heart and soul of what I want to talk about today. It's ultimately what is it that you offer to people? This, I think, is such a hard conversation to have with business owners, and it's not just because as business owners, it's not just because as business owners that we love our product, although that's a big piece of it. it and I say that, and I say it's a big piece of it because when I have this conversation with business owners, it can be really difficult to move past this first starting point because we love what we do so much. Um, I find myself in a really difficult conversation sometimes where sometimes I sense that business owners feel like I'm just being a contrarian or I'm just trying to poke holes or what have you. But like, for example, I might be talking to a customer who's showing off a product they have and they're like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And I'll say, okay, well, um, you know what, what makes it awesome? So, I'm definitely not trying to poke holes or be challenging or be frustrating or what have you. It's just um, sometimes I do find myself in this weird conversation where I'm trying to point them back to their actual customers and to help them separate themselves from the emotion that is tied to their business. So, getting to the point, these conversations can be really difficult because. We think what we sell is awesome, even if the data tells us otherwise. The example I love to give is a customer I was talking to, or a client I was talking to um, really early on, where he sold, the best way to describe it is they were bedazzled leather wristbands, and they they are as they sound. They, they were like these large, wide um, leather wristbands that went on people's arms, and I don't know why I'm over explaining this. You guys get it. It's a wristband, but they were like bejeweled and bedazzled. So I was talking to him and he was like, Yeah, you know, it's been really tough. We've had like, I, I think it was something like they had one customer in a year. And I was like, Okay, well, tell me about it. Like, what, what, tell me about the product. And he's like, Oh, it's really awesome. Like, it's really great. Like, let me show you some. Like, these are really cool. And I remember just being struck by, like, okay, I know you're saying it's awesome, but you've also only had one customer. Like, you've sold one in a year. Like, is it possible this isn't as great as you think it is? And he's like, well, I think I need like marketing help. I think I need, you know, it's kind of like while we're having this conversation, like I need to know how to market it, how to sell it. And and I think by the way, that's a fair, that's a fair line of thinking of like, I do have this secret sauce, but I don't know how to talk about it. That happens innumerable amount of times. So if you're thinking that right now, it doesn't, you, you may not actually be off base. However, there's this other piece of we think the offer is amazing and the offer is junk basically, or it's valueless in our customer's mind. So let's take this a step further though. Let's take this beyond just, I, I feel like what I'm selling is great and yet I'm not getting the traction I want for my business. This is really what I've been meditating on over the last week or two. Because like I said, I've been thinking about my business over the last five years and thinking about those high points and low points. And I think at the end of the day, people who do well in business, they are incredibly, incredibly clear about their offer. And I see this in, in a number of places. I, I think about times that I've gone to pitch events where you have 60 seconds to talk about your business and you get up and you talk and there are some times that you say it and you nail it and people are nodding. They get it. I remember one time I did it, went to a pitch event and I talked about what I was doing. And literally, as soon as I went to go sit down, actually, I was walking back to my chair and someone like reached out and they said, Hey, I I really need to talk to you after, after we're done today. Like I need your help. Like that was a signal to me. Okay. I nailed it. But then there have been other times where I've gone to these kind of events and I've said, yeah, this is what I do. This is what I sell. And it's just like blank faces and blank stares. So if you felt that way, you're in good company with me and figuring out this kind of stuff. But what I've learned though, is my business has flourished in the periods that I have had the incredibly clear offer let me take you back a little bit farther in my, in my history. I was a guest on a podcast, a really awesome marketing podcast. And when everything was said and done, this person was interviewing me on a show and he said, Hey, what, 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 for people who want to buy from you, what should they do? And I said, Oh yeah, go to my website. You got to do this. Well, we finished. And he said, Hey Blake, um, could I, could I give you some advice? And I was like, sure. Yeah. Hit me with it. What's up. And he said, you you really need a clear offer. So he said this to me, this was probably three or four years ago that he said this to me. And it's funny how slow I am to like, for things to click, right? But in my head, I was like, well, I have a clear offer. And I think a lot of us respond that way. We're like, this is the offer. I see it. It's right here. But at the end of the day, it's not clear for our customers or it's not not always as clear as we think it is. So here I am, I sell business coaching. Like, I think this is going to really like open your eyes to what I'm talking about here. I sell business coaching at a lot of different events. I say like, hey, I'm going to help you scale. Let's build some processes. Let's, yada, yada, I think some people get that. But in my mind, I can see all the steps that go into delivering these services to my customers. So in my mind, it's incredibly clear. But more often than not, I may have a customer who's like, or potential customer who's like, okay, like, I don't really know what that means still. Or like, am I really getting the value of my dollar? Now, some people who I build trust with really well, we have multiple touch points. We have coffee multitude of times that trust gets built where they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's work together. But I'm talking mostly about the top of the funnel, the people who don't know you well, how do you build real momentum for your business and motivate those people to buy from you? So put a pin in this conversation for a second. Let me take you back to several years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, where I was working with a guy who had done 30 years as a um, just an amazing business person, and he was giving me some sales advice. So we were talking about a sales conversation he was part of he was basically, um, part of this business that was selling canned corn to Walmart and wanted this, this can of corn to get on a Walmart shelf. So he's telling me the story of how his coworker ultimately was successful in convincing Walmart to ditch the corn brand that they currently had. And to start stocking the shelves with this company's corn bread, corn brand. I keep wanting to say corn bread for some reason, (laughs) So I said, okay, well, what happened? What was the conversation? He was like, Blake, it was the easiest conversation in the world. I'm still stunned thinking about it. Um, my coworker came in, he opened a can, he had a little paper plate. He opened a can of his competitor's corn that was currently at Walmart and he poured it out on the plate and it was kind of off yellow, mushy, um, it looked kind of soggy there was a lot of liquid on the plate it was like spilling over i'm i'm exaggerating a bit here and um was like yeah here's the corn you cur- you guys currently have well then he pulled out his can cranked it open poured it on a new plate and it wasn't soggy in fact it was crisp it had a vibrant yellow color and the person said yeah so like which which one would you prefer to buy and the walmart rep was like yeah this is a no brainer let's go with your corn that conversation stuck with me because i realized in that moment how people buy according to their five senses what i can see what i can touch what i can taste like these these things are tangible to us and the more that someone activates those senses the more that this answer feels realistic and valuable to them because they can literally see it right there in front of them. So let me bring it back then to good advice. There have been times in my brand that I have said things like, yeah, we're going to grow your business. We're going to grow your business. It's going to be great. And someone who's never hired a coach before might be like, okay, yeah, I conceptually understand it, but because it lacks because it lacks um the specificity of my senses, I don't feel the level of traction or rather attachment that I would with someone else who's selling a product off a shelf. so let me let me take this even a step further because um, I don't know if this is vague or if this is making sense, but who would you let's say you're you're in the business to buy? A coaching service. And let's say background's the same. We're not talking about someone who just started a coaching business out of his garage versus like someone who runs like a multi-million dollar business. Let's just say, let's, let's strip all that away and say two similar people. And you're looking to get some coaching. And the person on the left says, hey, I can help you grow your business. Let's work together. We'll work together. And you are going to be amazed by the results." And then person on the right says, hey, you need to join my, my 30-day pipeline program. Uh, we are going to double the amount of customers in your pipeline in 30 days or you get your money back. Now, again, since I typically like Raz people like this for having like the too good to be true sales offers, let's just assume everything's legit. Most people are going to buy that second offer because I, it, there's more tangibility there. I understand it, I can sense it. Um, I can touch it, so to speak. I know the time frame of how long it's going to take. I know the exact outcome of what you're going to do for me. And because I can clearly see that outcome, I'm now intrinsically trusting the person on the right more versus the person on the left. The person on the left, although maybe an amazing business person, their offer at the end of the day is incredibly vague. And that's really what I'm getting at today is the power of your brand is directly tied to how clear your offer is. So when it comes to selling, you need to think about what is that clear specific offer that someone can resonate with. And this, again, can be really hard to to kind of quantify and figure out, especially if you're selling something that isn't always so easily quantifiable, but going back to talking about like some of my experiences in my story, I think about all the different things that I've sold. Um, one of the things I sell is a Berkman personality test. It is exactly how it sounds. It's a personality; it'll tell you all the amazing strengths you have for what you bring to the professional table. And then another thing I sell is called a 360. It is an assessment where everyone who works with you and around you basically evaluates you and gives you a clear 360 degree perspective on how you're, how you're doing as a leader, how you're doing as a boss. So again, using the two examples from before as person, a, I could very easily go to a business who's trying to have, they're trying to improve their culture. They're trying to have Um, more engaged employees, just a better management team, et cetera. And I can say, hey, I could totally help and I could help you turn your business around with a really great culture. Again, if they've engaged with me, if they've had a cup of coffee with me, they might resonate with that and they may say, Yeah, I trust Blake. Let's bring you on. Let's do this. Well, the person who doesn't know me super well might as as person B or the person on the right, my clear offer then. Often is going to revolve around, hey, we're going to sell this 360, which is going to get you the hard data on what your people think of you, how they like working with you, your high points and your low points. And then we're going to optimize those strengths. We're going to leverage those strengths while also finding ways to reduce the weaknesses that show up in that data. The second offer is infinitely more compelling because again, I can clearly see The process, what you're doing, and the end result. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, like when I use the word process there, I'm not saying that you need to front load, here's our special process. The more, I think the more detail for how you do things, the cloudier the offer actually becomes. So we're not talking about being extensive on walking them through what you sell, or rather, what the process is going to look like. It's about having an offer that's tangible and succinctly expressed. Another example is I think about, um, I'm starting to do SEO and marketing while well, I was just on a phone call with a guy yesterday. And I, I was thinking about how um, we were just chatting about his, his uh, Google My Business page. And I said, yeah, we can get that up and running for you. And he's like, okay, wow, I really need that. And I was reflecting, yeah, that was a the person was given a really direct outcome versus like, hey, we're going to grow your business. We're going to help you get more customers. Um, so going back to you then, what is it that you sell? And it doesn't have to be a very literal product off a shelf, but how do you talk about it in a way that makes sense and is tangible? Again, thinking about the two cans of corn is your... <laughs> First offer, vague, confusing. Does it require a second conversation? And that may be the biggest insight is if you only get one touch point with someone, is what you're talking about enough to give them the information they need to be able to buy from you? And not again, not just give them the information because you're not over-explaining it, but it's expressed in a way that's compelling enough that if they never speak to you again, They have what they need to buy from you. That's what it is at the end of the day. So all this to say, if you're struggling to sell more stuff, it may be your offer. Just like the advice given to me years ago, you may need a really compelling offer. You may need something that's actually going to resonate with people. And hey, I can help you craft that statement. I can help you figure out what that should look like and what your suite of services should actually be in a way that is compelling for your buyer. At the end of the day, remind yourself to strip away all of the nuance, all of the um, jargon that I have a customer right now who we're, we're spending a lot of time on finding out how she talks about what she sells. And she talks a lot when I ask her to exp- explain it to me. She talks a lot about her own expertise and how she approaches the business. So a lot of our conversation has been, okay, let's let's strip away some of that And put it in your customer's perspective. Um, But bring it back to a compelling offer. An offer that people can't say no to is less about promising the world and hoping they believe you. And it's infinitely more about having something that they can relate to, that they can understand. And more importantly, they can see the destination. They can see the outcome. The better salesperson you become, the easier it will be to do that, by the way. So get out there and sell. Try some different offer statements out there and make it incredibly clear for what it is you sell so that you can get more customers to buy from you. Hey, that's today's good advice. Don't forget, you can always follow us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Advice. If you want to buy us a cup of coffee, you're more than welcome to. And you're also welcome to reach out to me if you're interested in advertising on the show. Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. Like I said, that's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.